It's Matthew 27. I'm going to start in verse 24, and I'll read not to the end, but, but quite a bit here. So Matthew 27, verse 24 says, When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, Sorry, after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two... Thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they passed by, they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others himself, he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come. now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will save him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let, be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, 
and many bodies of the saints which, were, which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. I'll stop there. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this passage, the story of the crucifixion of Christ, Lord, we see and understand that this is how our salvation was paid for. And so, Lord, we just, I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to, to grasp that this morning. Um, Lord, that you would help us to, to understand that gospel message, what our sin cost, the price that was paid, Lord. And so I thank you for it. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just guide my thoughts and my words this morning as we continue here, uh, that you would be glorified in these things and that we would be helped in some way. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a, to me, this is probably the most difficult passage to I have no idea. I have no words to add <laughs> to what is said here. I don't know how to preach about this other than to say this is how our salvation was purchased. This is, this is our only access to God is through what took place in this part of the story. Um, and I may talk more of that when we get into the resurrection. But just as I thought about this this morning, uh, or this week, rather, <laughs> um, what came to mind was, was just how, how secure we can be in believing this message, in believing what is written here of what took place, what the Bible has to say about who Jesus was and what he did to accomplish payment for sin on that cross and our salvation made available through that, just through faith in what he did here as this is God putting sin, our sin, on him at this time, allowing this to take place. And so... What I'm going to look at more is not so much the events here. I'm going to let it, the, that speak for itself, having read it. Um, but I'm going to talk about the, the prophecy that is fulfilled in this. And I'm sure there's, I'm 100% certain, there is many, many more that could be mentioned. And I'm sure there's many, many that will be revealed in eternity that people haven't come up with yet in reading the Old Testament of things that showed us these events. And so I, I simply I went started looking and I found somebody had made an article. There was 28 prophecies. And this isn't a claim that this is uh, comprehensive. There's just, here's a list of 28 things, 28 prophecies that were fulfilled in this event itself. <laughs> 
on this day, there's 28 things that he was able to come up with that were fulfilled just in that. And I'll go through, I don't know how many of them this morning, but I will go through some of those things today. But before I get there, just realizing what that means. Um, there's, oh, Jen disappeared. So I, I can, I'm not insulting Jen's intelligence when I say this. I just want to make that clear. We, we've had conversations in the past when, when, when we were getting to know each other. She would call herself a math person. And I call myself, I'm not a math person. But when we say those things, we mean different things. <laughs> we, we mean it at a different level. So when I was in high school, I took the highest level of whatever the high school offered. That was just what we did. But when I got, I think it was grade 12, it was grade 11 or 12, we get to the highest level of math, and it was statistics, which is similar to, to calculus or whatever. And I just couldn't quite get it. And I was failing. I was just failing this class of statistics because I'm not a math person. The stuff didn't come naturally to me. And so I had to drop out of this stats class and go to the next level, which is still university-level math. And I got like 90s in, in that class, which drove me crazy that I couldn't quite get the other one. But... But that's where I'm at. And so when I went to college, I came to Ontario to go to college. I got exempt from math in college. <laughs> I was like, to me, I'm not a math person, but because I couldn't do that highest level of math, I couldn't grasp it. To me, I'm not a math person. But somewhere in between is... <laughs> so Jen says she's a math person, but she never went to that level either. So to her, like the basic concepts of math is... She enjoys it. I've never enjoyed it. So to her, math is an enjoyable thing to, to comprehend. To me, it's just this drudgery. Say that because I'm going to talk about statistics this morning <laughs> or, or it's just statistical analysis. But yeah, so she's, she's talking. She's a math person and I'm not a math person, but really we're, we're here. Intelligence-wise, we're, we're pretty equal as far as our ability in math. Just... Her enjoyment of it is more than mine. <laughs> um, anyway, you get into this stuff, and people do the probabilities of things happening. And so I say that I, I failed stats, right? So I cannot do these calculations and, and verify any of this information. But various people have looked at these probabilities. And so I've seen it in different ways, and this is just a list of, just in general of any one person in the world fulfilling the prophecies of the Messiah. And we, there is over 300 references to the Messiah in the Old Testament that we are aware of, that Jesus fulfilled every one of those things. But people, we don't even go near that level because we don't need to. Um, I've heard up to eight prophecies is an impossibility. And, and here we have technically 15 on this page, but the last two, we can just take them off the table because 
to be a sin offering. There's a prophecy that Christ would be a sin offering. But, well, any one of us can't be a sin offering, right? Like, it just doesn't work that way. And to rise from the dead, and, well, that's just not going to happen at all in general. So we take those two things off the table. We're left with 13 things. So these 13 things, being a descendant of Abraham, and this particular study gave a range of odds between 1 in 500 and 1 in 1,000 odds of being a descendant of Abraham. A son of David would be one in a million or, one, or possibly even as scarce as one in a hundred million. I'll go with the low end. To be born in Bethlehem, one in 50,000. Preceded by a messenger like Elijah, one in a million. To be a prophet like Moses, one in a million. Ministry to begin in Galilee, one in 50,000. He'll perform miracles, one in a million. He'll enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Odds are one in ten. <laughs> Other people have entered Jerusalem on a donkey. A great zeal for the temple, one in a hundred. Other people have that kind of thing. He was to suddenly appear in the temple, one in ten. People did that. He would be betrayed by a friend, one in a hundred. Think about that one. To be betrayed by a friend, your odds are one in a hundred that that's going to happen. Pick better friends, guys. <laughs> Careful with that. Who's your friend? Although Jesus fell into that, didn't he? The price of his betrayal at 30 pieces of silver. I don't know how they come up with this, but one in 50,000. And that he would die a violent death is one in 5,000. So these are people just statistically coming up with the odds of any one individual having this particular event happen to them. But when you start to add the things together, the cumulative odds drastically reduce the odds of any one person ever accomplishing those. The cumulative odds at the low end of these numbers, of the, these 13 things just that I've mentioned, they say is 1 in 10 to the 50th power. That's a big number. <laughs> and just to try to grasp the, these numbers. So, and then they, they just made a little bit more of a, a general statement. The, the odds of one person fulfilling all 48 of um, some major prophecies, the key prophecies about the Messiah, is a chance of one in 13 trillion. One in 13 trillion is the odds that they give of anybody fulfilling all of these different things. Do you know how many people have ever lived on the planet? Nobody actually knows. Um, I couldn't find... Uh, a Bible-believing-based answer to that question. Um, so this extrapolates even a larger number than what we would as a... When I say Bible-believing, most of you probably understand, I'm talking about 
believing that the creation was as it's described in the Bible, and that those particular people in those two particular time periods are actual people, and this is the history of the earth. And so that those um, lineages that we can, we can follow through Scripture, we can trace back and we get about a 6,000-year um, span of time that the earth has existed. And so we only have 6,000 years of history of people, is the Bible-believing version of this. I couldn't find... Uh, an estimate of the number of people that may have existed in that time span. But they have estimated in the last 200,000 years that there may have been a total of 117, and I've, there was other numbers that were even lower than that, 106, 109, 117 billion people, a cumulative total in the history of humanity. This is like at the high end of those possible numbers. Because that's 200,000 years and not, not the 6,000 years that, that we would give. Um, the odds was 1 in 13 trillion. We haven't even come close to that number of people having existed on the planet scientifically, mathematically, they claim that a random chance of 1 in 10 to the 50th power, which is what we came up with at the low end of the, the scale here, is considered to be a scientifically impossible occurrence. It's impossible for something to fulfill those odds. And yet they still think the world was created by nothing. <laughs> Um, it's just impossible for somebody to fulfill those kinds of odds. There's just we we don't grasp numbers that well when it gets into these. Like we we say, he had one one in the odds of one in thirteen trillion. Do you know how much a trillion is? The American government spends trillions of dollars regularly, which is something that we can't even comprehend for the most part. Just to give a thought, so a million is a thousand thousands. A billion is a thousand millions. A trillion is a thousand billions. That the it just it grows exponentially, right? A couple of measurements that we can maybe comprehend a little bit better. A million seconds is approximately 12 days. A billion seconds is approximately 31 and a half years. A million seconds is 12 days. A billion, 31 and a half years. That's the difference between a million and a billion. A trillion seconds is 31,688 years. <laughs> when we talk about odds of a, into the trillions, we start to look at the difference in a million to a billion to a trillion. The, the numbers are just so huge that we can't even comprehend how, how drastically low those odds would be. I'll give you one more um, 
A thousand one dollar bills would, I'm assuming this is all American, right? I don't know if Canadian dollar bills are different size, but it's a dollar bill. A thousand dollars of one dollar bills is 4.3 inches, so yay big. A million one dollar bills would be 358 feet stacked up, right? So here to the road and back, kind of, kind of distance. A billion $1 bills would be 67.9 miles tall. That's a lot. <laughs> Do you know how, many, how much a trillion? 67,866 miles. <laughs> 67,000 miles to have a trillion $1 bills. Like, what is that distance? This guy, I don't know that distance. Like, that's a, <laughs> that's a phenomenal distance, right? So, how do you comprehend when you say that the chances is one in 13 trillion? So, you take a stack of dollar bills, you mark one of them, and give every person on the planet one chance of grabbing the one that's been marked out of that stack that is 67,000 miles high. You think you're going to grab the one particular bill? <laughs> that's, that's what our odds are. Like, this is just incomprehensible numbers. It's like, it's, it is impossible. It is absolutely, statistically impossible to accomplish for anybody to have even come close to fulfilling what the Bible said was going to happen and then have one individual fulfill all these things. And, and we're talking about 13 of them or up to 48, but there's over 300 that Jesus that we can come up with that Jesus fulfilled. It's, those numbers continue to grow exponentially at these numbers. It's impossible. Nobody in history could or would ever Fulfill all of those things. So even to have one person fulfill just a handful is, is actually incomprehensible, impossible. What's my point? <laughs> is that that's how much we can put our faith in what, who Jesus is. That he really is who he said he is. He really is who we can put our complete faith in in these events and trusting that I can tell you that the disciples, these guys that wrote the Gospels weren't scholars, right? These are fishermen for the most part, a tax collector, technically a rip-off artist, right? But these are not your, your religious scholars that studied and had lists of all these things and the prophecies and tried to write a story now that consisted, that showed that Jesus did all these things. It's like, you couldn't possibly get four guys to individually write these four accounts of his life to be consistent enough and to, to reveal that he actually accomplished all these things. 
It's like the impossibilities of any of this stuff actually accidentally happening and fitting together is incomprehensible. It's just impossible. And so as we start to look at some of that, just like a very worldly ask, like approach to, to looking at this information, the impossibility of it actually being what we see revealed here is, should be enough for us to believe it. It should be enough to make us really realize that there is so much more to this than we could possibly understand. But it should make us like, I didn't even need that to believe it, right? <laughs> like I didn't hear this stuff till, till quite recently. I didn't need this stuff. It was just like, how much more secure is my faith in these things? Like how much harder is it, would, would it be for someone to ever convince me to, to turn away from this. It's like, it's, there's so much. There's so much evidence that it, this is true. It's still by faith. You can't, you're never going to convince somebody. I bet you there's not a single person in the world will ever be converted and saved from a statistical analysis of the Bible. <laughs> right? Through math. Right? Chances are that's not what's going to convert somebody. But we can use this stuff to, to just to build up the strength of our faith in, in these things. That, that yeah, we're not, we're not what Christians are depicted as, as just blind following this nonsense, right? Um, there, there is science behind what we, what we believe. There is math behind the things that we believe. There's reason in these things. So we'll just look at a few of the things that, in particular, that this passage or, or the, the crucifixion as a whole um, describes as taking place, the events of Jesus' crucifixion. And we'll look at some of the, the prophecies of it and then the fulfillment of those things. And it started way back in, in Genesis Chapter 3 is that the serpent would bruise his heel. And now, that's an interesting statement, and maybe not the most solid of ones to look at, but we'll start there. Genesis 3, verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee, and he's, God is talking to the serpent, the serpent, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And if we look at, I don't think that this is really the best verse to go to as a fulfillment, but we'll, I'll, I'll use what the guy had here. It's John 12. I'm going to be back and forth between a lot of verses to do this, so... John 12, 31 to 33 says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. And so in the, in the sense of Jesus is looking back to that passage in Genesis, this this conversation between God and the serpent 
And it says, he will bruise your head. The seed of that woman will bruise the serpent's head. And the serpent will bruise the seed's heel. And so when Jesus says this, it says, now is the judgment of this world, and now shall the prince of the world be cast out. This is, Jesus is going to be bruising his head. And then when he describes, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, as in hung on a cross, crucified, and have that spike driven through my feet, <laughs> um, his heel is bruised, right? And so there's a, a fulfillment of that prophecy in in the events that took place. Um, so this isn't maybe the best answer to that, but it, it's, it does give it. We'll keep going. The Messiah would be cut off. Um, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9, verse 26. If you've been around a while, I've mentioned the 70 weeks of Daniel a few times, um, which speaks to the kind of the, the, the last day's history. It talks about a time frame of when these events are going to start and then, and then what will happen during this time period. And so we get at the 70th or the 69th week, certain events, and then we talk about the, the last week, which hasn't yet been fulfilled, the last seven-year period. Uh, verse 26, though, says after three score and two weeks, that would be 62, but there was also another seven weeks prior to that, which gives us the 69 weeks. It says, the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So after, after this period of time, the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. If we look at, I don't know if you held a finger in John, but John chapter 11. John 11, verse, starting verse 50, says, Nor consider that it is expedient. I'll back up to 49 just to say who's talking here. It says, and one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, so the, the high priest is speaking, said unto them, you know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied, that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. So, not interesting. We have a high priest who essentially had Jesus crucified. God is still prophesying through him. God can use people who are completely opposed to him to do his will, and to speak the truth that he wants spoken. So we had the prophecy that Jesus, or that the, the Messiah is going to be cut off, but not for himself. 
And then we have the high priest saying, one must die for the people. So he's, again, fulfilling, and it ends up, Jesus dies for the people. So we have the fulfillment of of this prophecy. The betrayal of Jesus by Judas was foretold. Um, In Psalm 41, Psalm 41, verse 9, says, Yea, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. So, David is speaking and and describes his own familiar friend, in whom he trusted, has lifted up his heel against him, has betrayed him. We go into to Mark chapter 14. Verses 10 and 11. It says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. If you know the story at all, we you know, that was that should have been an easy one for us, but but we know that Judas betrayed Jesus. And I don't know why the guy didn't put the money part together with that, but we'll get back to the, the amount of money that was that was paid for that betrayal in a, in a moment. Um, fourth one is Jesus was forsaken by his disciples. Um, as prophesied by Zechariah. So if you turn to Zechariah chapter 13, right near the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah 13, verse 7. I hear pages turning, so I'm just trying to wait for half a second before I read it. Zechariah 13, verse 7. It says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow. <clears throat> Saith the Lord of hosts, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Yeah, so here's a prophecy. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. If you were in Mark still, chapter 14, Verse 50. Very short verse, but it's just speaking of the events that take place as he was being arrested and, and tried, and it says, All they forsook him and fled. And so there's just a, a simple fulfillment of smite the shepherd and the, the sheep will flee. They all forsook him and fled. That's the disciples and all those that followed him. In Zechariah also, um, we have the, the price that was paid for, for the betrayal. Zechariah 11, verse 12. 
It says, And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, we saw that as we looked at this a few weeks back. 26, verse 15. Start in verse 14. It says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. So Zechariah prophesied in advance exactly the price that he even took into account inflation, right? Like, <laughs> can you imagine 400 years difference right now? 400 years ago, predicting the price that something's going to be. Like, we couldn't possibly do it. Like, our numbers would be so outrageous. <laughs> it would never work. But yet, in the Bible, somehow he was able to give right to the exact amount what the price was going to be. If we get into Isaiah chapter 53, which is one of those passages we read almost every year at Easter, talking about the crucifixion. And there's a whole bunch in here that we'll probably look at a couple of them, but like there's, there's a whole bunch in here that we can look at that is all fulfilled in Jesus. It's such a clear picture. Um, this is even when uh, Philip is, remember in, in Acts, I Acts chapter 8, Philip goes and he, there's an Ethiopian eunuch and he's reading Isaiah. And Philip goes up and is like, do you know what you're reading? Or do you, know, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? And he t- t- begins to read at this spot, right? Chapter 53, he reads this. And then he, says, and he, and then he preached to him Jesus. Because Jesus fulfilled this perfectly. It was a complete picture of exactly what... Jesus was had done in his in his life and, and ministry and, and crucifixion. So Isaiah fifty three, verse seven says, "He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so opened, so he opened not his mouth." Two, two passages to show this and the, the context of it. First um, Corinthians 5. Jesus is the, the Passover lamb, and that's what this is describing. So the Passover lamb, and then so we get First Corinthians 5 verse 7. It says, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so we see the, the New Testament des- describing what Christ did as a fulfillment of these prophecies. And then also on the same topic, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18 and 20, or 18 to 20 says, For as much as ye know 
that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. That precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And that is what is described as that Passover lamb. And Isaiah pictures Christ as that. We still have Isaiah, Isaiah 50, verse 6. It says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I read that this morning in Matthew 27. Those exact things took place, right? And so we... We see the fulfillment of that. I won't go back and read it a, a second time. Well, I'm not going to skip it, sorry. Isaiah 52 right there. Verse 6 says, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day. That's not right. Oh, I'm in 52. Isaiah 50 verse 6. Sorry. Oh, that was the same, same passion that I just read. gave my back to the smiters is, is the, the verse there. And we see that Jesus was scourged, right? He was given to be, to be whipped and beaten. Fifty-two verse fourteen is where I wanted to go. It says, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Just the, the beating that he took just completely disfigured him. I'll just, just for a different reference than, than Matthew 27, John 19, verse 1, speaks to the same thing. And it, it, it says it simply, but it says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Right? I 
guess I should have highlighted the ones that I wanted the most here because I'm out of time. And there was... I think one maybe worth mentioning um, in Isaiah 53, and we, we already read the verse, verse 7. Another aspect of that, so opened he not his mouth, right? Jesus, how many people falsely accused, about to be killed for what they're accused of, don't open their mouth and argue against the accusations? To, can you imagine having somebody throw accusations at you and, and not even respond? <laughs> Don't try to defend yourself? Well, that's, that's Jesus, right? Matthew 27. I'll just, I'll just turn there and, and read exactly that. We've, verse 13 and 14 says, Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. <laughs> like, I don't get it. How can you possibly stand there and take all this? Because even Pilate knew that none of this was true. And yet Jesus just stood there and took it. There's so many more things. There's pages more of of these kinds of things. And we can go through scripture of the things that the Bible in the Old Testament said was going to happen. And the descriptions as the various prophets said these things that this is what it's going to be like. And it's exactly what Jesus went through. Like I said, this, this one person came up with 28 things just regarding the crucifixion. And we've just looked at a, a, a small handful. Of, but we've looked at enough that when we looked at the other information, that statistically speaking, even the ones that we've looked at today would have made it impossible for any one person to have fulfilled the, the things that were written and actually hundreds of years later fulfilled all those things perfectly. And we were just getting started. <laughs> Can you imagine? Let's, let's just close with a word of prayer. Lord, as we look at the, the crucifixion of Christ and the events that, um, that he went through, the, the, the torture, the suffering, all of the details even leading up to his betrayal, to the trial, all of the things that took place around each one of these details was given in prophecy, Lord, and, and every one of them was fulfilled perfectly by Christ. And so, Lord, help us to, to see these things and just to, to have that assurance that the things that we believe are founded in truth that, uh, that we, can, we can put our faith in, that we are, can have assurance that these things are so, Lord. And so, Lord, we think of the salvation that was achieved, the payment for our, our sin on that cross, Lord. And so we, and 
Thank you for that and ask that you would just help us to, to understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.